My grandfather used to say, God is with us and God will always be with us. Every time that we had the Lowe's Resistance Army or the LRA, we are in a village. It was fear, the fear of being abducted and being trained to become child soldiers. All the huts were burnt to the ground. I felt hopeless, no food, no water. It sent me into silence. My grandfather used to give us candy for memorizing Bible verses. It gave me hope. When the war intensified, my grandfather put me on a bus to live with my mother. My mother did not share much about her life because she had her own struggles. But I remember this Saturday, she woke me up and she said, I'm taking you to church. I saw children laughing. I had no idea what was going on, but I knew this was a good thing. And my life was forever changed. That same month, I got a letter from my husband and wife, and the letter said they loved me. And at that moment, I had hope that everything would be okay. Growing up, my compassion sponsors encouraged me and continually spoke truth into my life. The Compassion Project became a place of healing and restoration. It was a place of refuge for me. I got medical care, I got an education, and it became a great reminder of the Jesus that my grandfather introduced me to at the age of five. If you're thinking about sponsoring a child, I would say act, sponsor a child, because for me, my life was forever changed. And you can do that too. Refuge, healing, restoration, hope, Jesus. So we heard in that video from Olive and her story, and her story, I think, moves all of us because as people created in God's image, there's something inside of us that when we hear stories like that or see stories like that, we are moved and we want to help. And that's a good thing. Even though we've experienced the fall of mankind, we were made in the image of God, and there's a common grace, there's a, a part of the human experience that says, I want to help if you're a normal, healthy human being, there's this empathy that comes from such stories when you see what's happening around the world, and even more so for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. When you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your heart 
is woven into God the Father's heart. And God the Father's heart breaks when he sees things like this happening all over the world. Seeing kids trapped in poverty pulls on the heart of God. And so today we're going to look at something that's so important to God's heart. Today, as Chris said, is Compassion Sunday. We partner with this organization called Compassion International. We have for over 13 years. Uh, Many of you here in the church have kids that you sponsor, uh, but we like to regularly put this in front of us as a church body for us to capture God's heart in this and also to say, God, what do you want us to do? And we want to allow God the ability to move on our hearts because we want to be a church who has open hands towards him always. And so uh, I'm excited to talk about compassion today. Compassion has an amazing mission statement that they fulfill countless times over and over. And their mission statement is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. All over the world, they go in and they work with local churches And through the local church, they provide health care and food and education and training. And they introduce the children to the gospel of Jesus Christ at a very young age. And through this process, they see families transformed. They see areas transformed for the gospel. They go into the darkest places of the world that we can imagine. And so today I want to talk about three reasons why I believe it's important that us as Crossview Church partner with Compassion International, and then I want to close with two things we can do to be part of the process. So why is the mission of Compassion International so important? First thing is the mission reflects the heart and person of God. The mission of Compassion International reflects so well the heart and the person of God. And I want to show you this. If you have a Bible, open it up to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah is a long book. It's past Psalms, past Isaiah. You get to Jeremiah, and we're going to look at chapter 9. What's happening in Jeremiah chapter 9 is before this and into 9, God's people forgot who God was. God's people forgot not only who he was, they forgot their identity and who they were in God. You see, I think it shows us that there's a human drift that happens in each and every one of us. All of us as human beings are prone to this drift. Even as Christians, we still have this sinful nature inside of us that pulls us, and we're prone to drift. And so we see the people of God here in Jeremiah had drifted. And God sent a prophet, Jeremiah, to bring them back. Out of his love, out of his care, he warned them. In Jeremiah chapter 9, we can see what's happening here in verse 13. It says, The Lord said, It is because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, And they have not obeyed or followed my law. Verse 14. Instead, they have followed the stubbornness of their heart. Now notice it doesn't say that they are stubborn of heart, though that's implied in there. But it says they followed the stubbornness of their heart. They embraced the stubbornness of their heart. 
They allowed the stubbornness of their heart to become their God unintentionally. You see, we see it's so easy to drift. It's easy for us. It was easy for them. There's this idea where we were prone to drift and they began to follow and make God of the stubbornness of their heart. And so because of that, God gives them three pronouncements, three warnings to bring them back. And I want to look at the third pronouncement today that Lindsay read for us. It's in verses 23 and 24. Look at verse 23. This is what the Lord says in this situation. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. This is one of those rare spots of scripture where we get to peek into the heart of God and God reveals who he is. He says, if you want to know me and understand me, here's who I am. And he lays out and describes himself in three words in this passage. Before he reveals who he is, he talks about what he expects from his people. They're not to boast or rely on human strength, wisdom, and riches. Broken human beings are very boastful. We're a boastful people. We hide behind what we boast about. And God is saying, don't boast in these earthly things, if you want to boast in something, boast that you know me. If you want to trust and draw strength from something, how about this? That you draw strength from me. And he lays out these three words in verse 24 where he, we get to peek into the heart of God. And he says, know me that I am the Lord. And he exercises who he is. He says, I am the Lord who exercises, first word, kindness. It's the Hebrew word hesed. It's an amazing, amazing word. God says, you want to know what I'm like? You want to know who I am? Hesed. Bible scholars say, when you translate the word hesed into English, it's impossible to do it with one or two words. Most Bible scholars say it takes seven words to get the full meaning of what hesed is. Hesed, the seven words Bible scholars talk about is this covenant loyalty, that God is going to covenant and promise to be loyal to his people. There's a faithfulness, a kindness, a goodness, a mercy, a love, a compassion. All that is wrapped up in hesed. All that is wrapped up in the one word in our English Bible, kindness. This idea of faithful love, goodness, mercy, love, compassion. This is a love that will never, ever, ever let you go. That's kindness there. That's hesed there. God says, you want to know me? You want to boast in something? You want to know what I'm like? I have a love that will never, ever let you go. Covenant loyalty. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. 
goodness, mercy, compassion, kindness. He says, that's who I am. I am a God of loyal and extravagant love. Then he has another word that describes him, and the word is justice, mishpat. God is a God of justice means he's doing what is right. He always does what is right. This is who he is. He's a God that sets forth rightness. God says, I call out what is wrong. And I do what is right. And my people, the church, are called to do the same. We're supposed to look at our world, and when we see injustice, we're supposed to call it out and say, that's not right. And we're supposed to act. Children in poverty, that's not right. So we bring God's heart to that situation. I talked about last week, 6,000 pastors in India in prison for just preaching the gospel, just doing what I do every Sunday, and they're in prison. That's not right. We call all these things out. People dying of poverty in underdeveloped countries, that's not right. And as God's people were called to reflect his justice in the world, we're called to not just reflect it and call it out, but we're called to act upon it. Yes, there's a day coming where Jesus is going to return and all that unjust, injustice will be done forever. Everything will be made right. It'll be a perfect place to last forever. But in the meantime, he's placed the church here as his agent to go out and do justice and reflect that part of his heart. We are to act on behalf of God. Why? Because God is a God of justice, and it's all over the Bible. Isaiah chapter 117 says, Learn to do what is right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. The Bible describes God's character as one that looks at our world and longs to bring people close to him, especially those who are in, in situations of injustice. And he calls us, his church, to do the same. The third word that God says to reveal who he is is righteousness. Shekad, this is a little bit different than the way we use righteousness around here. We talk a lot about righteousness at Crossview Church because we talk a lot about Jesus. And we talk about how Jesus went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he became your sin and my sin. And God the Father poured out his penalty for sin on his son Jesus. And now that when we give our lives to Jesus and we turn to him, the righteousness of Jesus is now placed over us and we are brought into a peaceful, loving relationship with God the Father because we don't stand before God the Father in our own righteousness because that's not good enough. We stand in the righteousness of Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. But righteousness is used different ways in the Bible and that's not the righteousness that's being talked about here in Jeremiah 9. The righteousness that's being talked about here is more about God living out his integrity of what he says is right and then living that out in front of us. The righteousness he's calling us to is to live out what we believe. God is saying here, I am a God of standards and I have set a standard 
and with the love and grace I supply, I want my people to live that out and carry out this righteous standard in the world. We are to see God in his character and seek that out. Jesus had the same idea of righteousness when he talked about this in Matthew 6.33. He said, but seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, his right way of living, And all these things, and when he's talking about these things, he's talking about food, clothing, shelter, everything in your earthly life will be given unto you as well. But he says, first seek the kingdom. First seek what God calls as right. We are to be passionate about seeing God's will, God's heart, God's justice carry out in the world even more so than our basic needs to live on. That's the life Jesus is calling us to. Releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name reflects what's on God's heart. This work of Compassion International is not only important because it reflects God's heart, but it's important because it's something that God calls us to do. It's simply something he calls his church to be involved with. We are called to live out our daily lives reflecting God's heart and being involved what God cares about. There were times in the Old Testament when God's people worshipped him half-heartedly. Again, they drifted. They're prone to drift, just like we're prone to drift. And they unintentionally worshipped him half-heartedly. And what they did is they adapted their lives and adapted God around their lives instead of conforming their lives to God's standards. So they said, we're going to live the way we want to live and we'll sprinkle a little God in there when it's convenient. But by and large, we're going to live how we want. They adapted their lifestyles instead of conforming their lives around God and his desires and his hearts. That makes him God. If he is truly God and we place him God in our life and God on our throne, then we conform to him. This conforming to God is something that our culture is not really excited about. Sometimes it's something the church is not really excited about. But that's the calling we have. To be followers of Jesus means we bow and conform our lives around what God is calling us to do. So these people of the Old Testament, they didn't conform their lives. They adapted God around their lives, or at least they attempted to. And God in his loving kindness and mercy called them on it. He confronted them on it. And it was painful. But isn't that what a good father does when you stray away? And so the people of God saw this and they came back to God and they repented and they said, okay, 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 we're going to double what we were supposed to do. We're going to double our sacrifices of oil and uh, the different animal sacrifices. We're going to double this up. We're going to double our time and worship. We're just going to do it all. They tried to fix their own lacking with their own strength. And God said, no, 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 no. Through the prophet Micah, God said this, I already showed you what you're supposed to do, mortal. You don't add more and do more and try to make up for what you did in your own strength. You can't do it. I showed you what to do. This is what the Lord requires. He requires that you act justly, that you carry out justice. He requires that you love mercy. Guess what that word mercy is there? 
hesed. You love the kindness of God. You love the compassion of God. You love that covenant promise of God. You bask in that and you live in that, which empowers you to do the rest, and you walk humbly with your God. When you're walking humbly with your God, you conform your life around to what he says. Your opinions, your desires, your rights are sacrificed at the throne of God. And you say, God, I want to walk humbly with you. God said, this isn't new. I showed you already what you're to do. You're supposed to carry out my justice. You're supposed to participate in doing what is right and reversing the evil you see until I return. You're supposed to bask in my loving kindness, in my merciful, loyal love. You're supposed to be a humble people that walk with me. And I will empower you to do the things I call you to. God calls us to be involved with ministries like Compassion International because they are doing what's on God's heart. And they're carrying out the character of who God is. In a way, I'll be honest with you, in few uh, ministries I've seen do it as well. Finally, participating with compassion is important to Crossview because it creates gospel ripples. We've talked about this. Our vision at Crossview Church is to see 5,000 people impacted by the ripple effect of Crossview Church living out the gospel in their city and beyond. As we as Crossview Church live out the gospel, God's going to take that and use that to impact lives for eternity. And when we partner with Compassion International, they allow us to live out the gospel in places we may not be able to go physically, but we can have a gospel impact around the world, especially collectively as the Crossview Church family. Making gospels, literally making ripple, gospel ripples, literally changing the life of children. One of my favorite authors and theologians is a guy named A.W. Tozer, and he said this Pray that God might raise up people who would see the beauty of the Lord our God and would begin to hold it out to people. People who would see the beauty of the Lord our God and hold it out to people. In the last three years, not always, but sometimes I look back and I think the church in the United States has held out other things to people. We haven't been good at holding out the beauty of the Lord. We hold out our opinions, we hold out our preferences. We hold out our knee-jerk reactions. And God wants to shape and conform us to be a people that are overwhelmed by the hesed, by the beauty of who God is. And when we're in that state of overwhelmness, our knee-jerk reaction is to hold that beauty out to the world in front of us and say, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the people God's calling us to be. Partnering with Compassion International allows us to do that. So how do we get involved? Two things. First of all, I encourage you all to pray 
for Compassion International, the ministries out there. We just spent seven weeks talking about prayer, right? Add Compassion International to your prayer list. If you Google Pray for Compassion International, put that in a search engine, you'll go right to their website. They have a whole website dedicated to helping you with guides of how you can pray with them. All sorts of different ways you can pray for them. And you can download the guides. They can take you through things. Be people of prayer for this organization. That's our primary call that we're called to do. Second, I want to encourage you, especially if you're not sponsoring a child, to consider sponsoring a child. My wife Pam and I have sponsored children with compassion for over 22 years, and we've seen the fruit of this organization. They reflect these things on God's heart, and they live it out, and you see that God meets them in that place and changes lives for eternity. You can support a child with compassion for $38 a month. That's $9.50 a week. Some of you, I know that's a stretch and you can't do that right now. And that's, if that's you, that's fine. Just pray. As followers of Jesus Christ, all we have, including our money, is his. And we are just stewards, discerning with it what he wants us to do. And so if you're not sponsoring a child, or even if you are sponsoring a child, ask God if he'd want you to sponsor another child to make a difference in the world. That $38 provides food, water, education, medical, clothing, assistance for the family. And when you sponsor a child with compassion, you're not just making an impact on that child, you're making an impact on the entire family. All these things can change a child's life for eternity. If you're interested at all, stop at the table on your way out and talk to the people there. They'd be happy to tell you. Child sponsorship with compassion changes lives for eternity. But don't just take my word for it. I like to invite our new friend Levi up, and Levi is a Compassion Child alumnus, and he's going to share his story with us. Thanks for being here, Levi. Let's give him a welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hi. Um, my name is um, Levi, or also Levi in the DR. That's what our people call me, Levi. Levi is the same. Um, well, I um, come from Dominican Republic. I don't know if any of you have been here about the Dominican Republic. It's a great country, a lot of beauty, uh, great people. But also, I will say, it's a lot of uh, poverty. Uh, and I grew up in this neighborhood called Villa Maria. It is called Village uh, Maria, but uh, also people call it uh, Village Cocaine. And it is because there is a lot of drugs, like every place. Like uh, if you go to grocery stores, if you just in every place that you are, you can find like people selling drugs, uh, prostitution. It's, it's everything uh, over there. I grew up in a family of uh, three: my mom, my older brother, and I. So my dad decided to to leave the house when when my mom was pregnant of me. And for us, it was hard, as um, also my mom, as a single mom, uh, raised two kids in that kind of environment, uh, with drugs everywhere, uh, was hard. Uh, and I used, always used to blame, actually, my dad, because I used to say, oh, um, we are living in this situation because my dad is not here. He's not supporting, he's not helping my mom. It also was hard even as a kid because my mom was really 
Um, it's, it's funny because when my mom was kind of a dictator, I always say that, in a good way. Uh, she, we have to say what she say, and we couldn't ask why, because there is no any why. So you do it because I say it, that's it. But uh, it was good, because when, when we decided to go out and play outside, uh, she used to tell, hey, we'll be just 30 minutes, and we used to see all of these kids around playing for two, three hours, four hours, five hours outside, but she didn't allow us to play for, or to be outside for that long. And as, as a kid, I didn't understand. She just didn't want us to, to have that kind of influence outside because it was not a good influence at all. Um, one of the really hard things that I remember was go to grocery store, we, we got to, we take turns, my brother and I, to go and exchange glass of, of Coke to, to exchange for money. Now uh, people call it recycles. So for me, I, I didn't see it as a recycle. It was more as a, this is a way how we can get food or either going outside and selling uh, juice or empanadas, different type of things to get some money. And as a kid, living that kind of situation is hard because uh, actually, uh, normally when you're a drinks, you think, oh, I want to become doctors or want to do this, I want to do that. You have hope and drinks. But living that kind of situation, being honest, uh, you do not have time to have drinks or think uh, or have hope. The only things that you have every day is how you're going to be surviving next day. In our case, how we are going to be helping our mom to, to bring food to a table. And living that kind of situation, shootings everywhere, uh, it seems to, for me, it seems to be like there's no hope. And, and I used to ask God always, like, why me? Why, why my family? Uh, why we are living that kind of situation? When I started the Compassion Program, uh, Literally everything changed. Uh, now, one of the main reasons why I used to go when I was a kid was the food. I was like, I supposed to go twice a week, and I was I was assisting every week. I was attending every day. Sorry, I was supposed to go twice a, a week, and because the food, I was attending every day. And I remember praying that to tell me, "Hey, it is just one, twice a week." And I was like, "Oh no, I really love being here, but uh, it wasn't." You know, I enjoy it, actually, but the, as a kid, the main uh, reason was because the food. I always say church, uh, they, they, they hire the best cookers because, oh man, uh, I remember Manuela, she was the, the cooker in our church in our Compassion Center, and she was being there, like, the way how she cooked was amazing, but also the way that I used to say at the beginning, uh, I used to get really mad because sometimes she used to be really tough, but I damn understand that sometimes it's hard, like cook for 200 kids, 300 kids, and you get tired, and you know, just, and, but then we just, we have this, this great relationship, and every time that I used to go, she, she just have... The food to me, she used to tell me, hey, uh, I prepared this, do you like it? And, and the way how she served me was more than 
for her was the heart that she put in, 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 in what she was doing. And just now, I was less trying to survive and now start to have hope because now I didn't have to worry about when I'm going to be eating tomorrow. And my mom was kind of, uh, was easier for her because now her two kids, also my brother was part of the program, are at the program. Now she don't have to worry about what we're going to be eating or having for snacks. But in a moment, I remember, uh, as you can see photos, we were living in a really tiny house, one bed, and my mom used to always complain because I was, uh, she said that I kind of move a lot. Like, she said, like, ah, you were, when you're sleeping, you're kind of like a ninja. You move a lot and you hit me when you're, when, when you're sleeping. And she always complained, like, that, that I move a lot. One day I come home and I see this, this um, you call it a bulk bed. And I was, I was happy. Uh, I didn't know where this bed come from, uh, but I was I was surprised because I knew my mom didn't have the money to to get uh, the bed, and then I realized that my brother's sponsors sent the money to get uh, to buy a bed for him and for me. Actually, my mom was even happier than us. She said, "Now I will be sleeping alone." So, uh, but you know, all of the kind of things now. Actually, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to go back. Sometimes I, I, I just laugh. Uh, all of the kind of things that are being honest as a kid was hard, but I didn't understand what was poverty, actually. Uh, it was kind of like, oh, while we're living in this situation, but uh, it was in a way kind of normal because that was what, we, what I used to see. But also be it the, the other side now, spend more time at the Compassion Center, have friends now, I can, I can stay more time spending at the, at the projects. And actually that changed my life. Uh, my tutors, uh, my project director, they were more, more than tutors, more the project director, they were family for me. And it is, it is every time that I think about that, it's great because for me, as, as I grew up, I understand, well, compassion was punished with my church. But I said, as I was a child, I just see my local church helping us, being there for us, as how su- the church is supposed to be. And I remember it was a moment when I turned nine. Uh, my prayer director come to, to the classroom and say, hey, uh, Levi, I have, a, uh, I have a great news for you. And she told me, I say, what is the news? She say, you got a sponsor. So I started the program when I was three years old, but I got around six years without program, without a sponsor. And I was happy. I didn't know, really being honest, what sponsors means, but I knew now I will start receiving letters. So because I used to see all of my friends receive letters, I didn't get letters through, uh, during six years, but now it was like, oh, now I will be receiving letters. And letter actually changed also uh, my life. My sponsors, they do the, the uh, discipleship through my letters. And this is what I always um, thought was like, there are someone who are actually telling me, hey, I love you. They are sharing 
uh, Bible verse that are sharing about their life. And I was like, I don't know what, I don't know who these people are, but they're taking the time to, to write. And it was, it was great knowing that someone that you don't know from far away are taking the time. And uh, when I was also watching the video today uh, from this uh, girl from Uganda, just receiving letters is, and I always like emphasize letters because it's, it is a moment when you really connect with someone who are believing in you, even though there's probably sometimes you don't believe in yourself and probably depending what type of family you have, also they don't believe in you, in you too. Um, what I can say, so church changed my life, compassion. I also had really awful relationship with my dad. And through my compassion center, through my sponsors, I was able to, to forgive my dad uh, before he passed away. I, got, I asked God and through my sponsor to get the opportunity to, to build a better relationship with my dad, and I did. So years later, I got the opportunity to, to meet my sponsors. It was one of the greatest things in my life. Uh, I was able to see how proud they were about me. And, I, and it was just kind of like see how happy they were because they never spent probably that I will become the, the man that I am now. So now, actually, I work for Compassion. I serve in my community back in the DR. Um, I, it, is, it is really amazing how now I got that opportunity to be um, out there and just give back what the God gave me through my church, through Compassion. Also, a year and year and three months back, I got the opportunity to marry with a beautiful an amazing uh, woman who um, also, I was able actually to do it, I always say, because my sponsors uh, were able to, uh, to show this figure father, but men's like church that I didn't have it uh, at home also guide me through how to be a, a man of God at home. So I just want to tell you, uh, if you have sponsors already, if you, if you have a sponsorship, write letters. Uh, if you are not and you wanted to do it, as the pastor then say, when you sponsor a child, you just are not changing the life of that child. You are changing the life of an entire family. And that kids uh, will always, the family will always remember. And there was one person who said to me, hey, I feel bad because I feel that I have too much and, and there are people who do, do not have enough. And I say like, uh, that it's, don't feel bad about it. Just ask God what you can do with what you have. And I, I think that is the importance. So even with, if you have too much, if you do not have enough, just what, what we can do. And if you're a sponsor again, write letters, I always say, I uh, was also recently a friend who asked me, hey, what can I write to, uh, to my sponsor? I said, like, I cannot tell you. I don't know. This is something that will depend on the relationship you have. But uh, what I say is always 
pray God before. Um, we don't know, and you don't know what is the situation of that child, but God knows, and God will put the right word to the right situation, to that specific situation that probably your, your child is going through. So also, uh, now my mom, as a single mother, I always like to share that because for us, she was our example. She accomplished to have two degrees, two master's degrees. She's a professor, she's a teacher. Uh, she's also pastor in a church too. And look back and see my mom now to all of what uh, she accomplished and see our family became out of poverty. Um, statistically, we were, we were not have, we were supposed to not have any chance to be out of poverty. But through the church, through compassion, we were able to do it. And just the last things that I want to say it is God is using what you're doing. Um, I was talking to Tina, the, my mom got a surgery a couple of years back, and we realized that the neurosurgeon who performs the surgery also was alumni for Compassion. She was part of the Compassion. And uh, her sponsors pay her scholarship to become a doctor. And also, she was the one actually who, who performed that surgery to my mom. So, what are great stories. We never imagined that we will be getting contact that my mom will be also on the hands of first, of course, God, but of another person who got the chance to be neurosurgery and now performed a, a, a surgery to my mom. So thank you for, for um, giving the opportunity to be here and to share, and God bless you. Levi and his family were released from poverty in Jesus' name. And it had a huge, huge impact. Now he's serving as in the Dominican Republic, helping other children in that same situation. God has an amazing call on his life. Uh, praise God for what he does. Praise God for what he does. If you want to talk to Levi, meet him. He's a, he'll be at the compassion table as well, so you can do that at the end of service. And um, sometimes people say, you know, I, I, I have so much in my own life I'm trying to take care of. Um, I don't know if I could do anything else more. When you're following Christ, when you're following God, serving leads to wholeness. And sometimes when you take that step out of faith and you just say, I'm going to put $38 a month to try to change the life of someone else and build a relationship with someone else through writing letters and doing these things and serving that person. It's amazing the healing that God does in your own life because that's just who he is. And so please consider and pray what God would have you do in that situation.